This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Liverpool back home and once again chalking up another win with Curtis Jones celebrating his new five-year deal with his first league strike for the Reds. And what about Thiago Alcantara? Well, welcome to the Blood Red podcast. I'm Guy Clark. As we get set to get stuck into the Reds' 2-0 home win over Aston Villa, those Thiago rumours and look ahead to Wednesday's seaside trip to Brighton. Alongside me to do all of that, Ian Doyle, Joe Rimmer and Connor Dunn. Gentlemen, how are we all keeping? I'm very well, Excellent. thank you. Thank you. How are well, you guys? Yeah, not so bad, not so bad. And uh, well, we we I suppose best skirt over the first seventy minutes from yesterday's result at Anfield. Doily, you were there watching on, and Liverpool obviously got the job done, but it wasn't the prettiest of showings, all told. No, I think my main takeaway from the game was I was amazed it could be so cold in July. It was absolutely freezing, and I'm genuinely mean it was freezing. I'm mean, like you to complain about the weather. Yeah, I mean, big coat on. That's put the hood up. I was still shivering, and that was just, well, it was very windy, let's put it that way, and we didn't really notice it until after the game we went out and, you know, when we were walking back to the car or whatever, and it was getting blown away. So you imagine that didn't help the first 70 minutes of uh, non-football that was played. But, yeah, it was... Um, it was, to be honest, I think this is what it's going to be like for the rest of the season for Liverpool. There's not really much of an edge to the game, really. They've already won the league. They will play a couple of players like they played on uh, on Sunday that wouldn't normally play. I'm sure we'll get on to Naby Keita, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, Divock Origi in a bit. And, you know, the fact that there's no fans as well, that perhaps removes another side to it because, you know... It must be hard for them to motivate themselves, but for all of that, they still won two 0 against an Aston Villa team that, for you know, for about forty five minutes, probably about fifty five minutes, did pretty well. They um, they defended very well. They had a bit of a threat on the break, but you know, once you only need one good player. Well, sorry, one player to have a very good game for Liverpool in that sense. That's Alison Becker, and he did. He was the man of the match. He made a, a couple of good saves, but it wasn't so much that. It was the, just the fact he held the ball quite well. You know, he handled the situation with the terms of the wind and I never ever thought Aston Villa were going to score. And once Sadio Mane nets the opener from a, a good pass from Kate, that's that's it. And yeah, it was a good story for, for Jones to cap a nice uh, 24 hours for him, for Curtis Jones to, to get his first Premier League goal, his first, uh, his first goal in front of the cop too. Yeah, and uh, Joe, I suppose, as Doyley said there about Liverpool and it not being the greatest showing and that might be how it will be for the rest of the season, I suppose that you could make the argument that it's actually been like that for large parts of this season anyway. Liverpool get the job done. They're on to 89 points and look like they could end up being one of the Premier League's greatest ever sides, but they don't play swashbuckling football all the time, do they? No, they don't. They, they, they manage games and they manage them very well. You know, yesterday... It wasn't it wasn't the greatest spectacle, but they never really looked in danger. And as Doyle said, they they got the job done. And look, midway through the, the second half, one highly, highly experienced football journalist suggested that Liverpool might not win another game that season. Um, this season, so you know they they still went and got the job done, didn't they, Doyle? You said that. Did I say that? You said that. You said that did midway I? through the second half. I can't, that, remember. Um, I can't remember. I can't remember. I can't remember. I never said that they wouldn't win another game. I said I wouldn't be surprised. And I still wouldn't be. I still wouldn't be surprised because the team, almost all of the teams to play and have got something massive to play for. And if you'd have said at that point that Villa were going to win 1-0, I think you would have gone, well, yeah, probably right. But 
And Liverpool did have the extra quality. And I'm sure you're going to mention the substitutions midway through the half. And uh, go on, Joe, I'll let you carry on. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I do think that they've got a squad of players there that can change games. And, and they've also got quality. And, you know, it only took a moment in quality didn't it, to, to, to unlock Villa. And it was a great pass from Cater, a great finish from Mane. Uh, I, personally, I think I'd like to see them. I think the edge could come from some of the younger players or, or the fringe players like Cater, like perhaps Minamino, if, if we get a chance to see him at Brighton and, and the likes of Jones, Elliot, um, Nico Williams, people like that who got something to play for. Because as Doyle says, a lot of the teams Liverpool are coming up against Brighton are scrapping down there uh, on Wednesday and a lot of the teams Liverpool are going to be facing have got things to play for. Liverpool are just seeing this out now, aren't they? So, um, you know, some some of those players might provide the edge. So I, I'd be, you know, I expect Klopp to to sort of rotate again for Brighton, and perhaps the likes of Jones might even get a start. Yeah, Connor Dean Smith referenced it after the game. The fact that, and so did John McGinn actually in his his Sky Sports interviews, talking about how Liverpool were able to make the triple change that they did before getting that first goal and. Obviously, normally you'd see a triple change happen at once and think, crikey, manager's using up all of his substitutes. But with that five-substitute rule that is now in place in the Premier League, it, it really did play into Liverpool's hands. Yeah, it certainly did. I mean, Liverpool have played, well, Klopp's played all five substitutes in every game Liverpool played after, after lockdown so far. So that's just who he is, though, isn't he? You know, he's always working things out. and He really likes the new water break. He spoke about that after the game. You know, he loves to get a chance to deliver tactics to his players and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, when you can bring on three players of the quality of Henderson, Wijnaldum and Firmino, it's, it's going to change any game against any team, no matter who you're playing. So, and we obviously saw that Liverpool's quality massively stepped up, you know, as much as it's Cater's great pass and Manny's great finish for that goal, Firmino's movement to draw defenders away to make the space is also fantastic. Henderson got Liverpool on the drive, you know, it's, it's those players that just constantly make the difference for Liverpool. Um, but as, as we were saying there, you know, the young players are probably going to be the ones who, towards the end of the season, have something to prove, have something to play for, you know, show Klopp what they can do. And I think without the fans obviously being there, you know, Liverpool are a team that thrive off an atmosphere and play for an atmosphere. You know, they're going to need something else and it will be the, it will be the young players and the substitutes coming on, changing the game and switching things up as we saw yesterday. Saw the three changes as well before the match, Doyle, from the defeat at Man City with Ox, uh, Naby Keita and Divock Origi coming into the side. Divock Origi wasting no time with the Barbers reopening to, to get himself a new hairdo. You know plenty about that, as do I, but less of that. We'll uh, talk about their performances. And I suppose Divock Origi, probably the main player from yesterday's match, to uh, sort of feel as though he maybe didn't take the chance that was given to him. No, I mean, it's, it's, it wasn't big enough for him, was it? He only, he only likes like Champions League semi-finals and derbies and the Champions League finals and stuff like that, you know. So it wasn't a big enough game. I mean, he started off down the middle, which is where he's his best position. And I think I think I've worked it out that the only other time he started there in the Premier League this season was against Everton when he scored twice, didn't he? So in the 5-2 game back in December. So I don't know. It's it's because the the fact that the the edge is gone. It's more difficult for players such as Origi to make an impact because they know that the players around them aren't playing at absolutely 100%, no matter what anybody says, because that's human nature now. They won't want to get beat. I mean, since they came back, they've, what is it, drawn drawn one, won two and lost one. And they kept three clean sheets. So that tells you that, you know, the, 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 okay, the City game was just the City game. Everybody can get beat by City 4-0. But the rest of them, they just kept it tight and they've looked to... You know, make sure they don't really concede very much and they've managed to get the two home wins. 
But for players like Origi, he's just... I wonder whether his race might be run now at Anfield, I think. I think he was... If they, ha- It's almost like if he hadn't scored in the Champions League final, I'd wonder whether they would have offered him a new contract. I don't know, because obviously he got one. Not so much off the back of that, but the, the way that he ended the season, he, he had quite a big contribution in the, the last few weeks of last season. But he's... <sighs> Somebody, I was actually speaking to Neil Jones, who used to, to work with us, and he reckons that the reason Origi so, makes such an impact is because he's so different to all the other players, because he most, most of the time doesn't really fit in with everything that they're doing. So he's kind of a, unpredictable. So when he comes on a substitute or he plays the odd game, against, certainly against the bigger teams, he can come in and make a difference. But when you've got a game like Aston Villa, where you need him to do a job, he wasn't able to do it whether it was under instructions from Klopp to, to move to the left wing and the right wing and rotate with Salah and Mane, I don't know. But also, the other players might not be used to playing with him. I know they play with him in training, but it's not quite the same as playing in a, a full match situation. So it is difficult for him. I, as I say, I think if Liverpool get a good offer for him in the summer, they may decide to get rid because, well, I wouldn't say they need the money, but you know, it would be good money for somebody who's made very minimal impact this season, especially when they've got someone like Rian Brewster, who I know it's a completely different level, but he's up and coming and we've been waiting for him for quite a long time. You look at the championship, he's now knocking the goals in for Swansea and it's whether or not Klopp goes, okay, well, if we get this big money for Divock, we'll take it. We'll promote Rian into the, uh, into the first team squad permanently. I mean, I, I mean, that's, there's a lots of ifs and buts there, but again, because Origi's performance, I don't forget they do have Minamino, but does pose the question, do Liverpool need another forward option in the summer? Should they shell out? We, you know, we mentioned the TW, name quite a lot on this podcast that's gone but there's still lots of other players out there so it will be interesting to see what happens i do wonder whether 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 liverpool might end up doing something on the back of what happens in these last few games even though Jurgen Klopp said look it doesn't really matter i know how good these players are but i'm sure we'll see yeah joe what's your take on it all because there's been a number of high profile former liverpool players over the the course of the last 24 hours all coming out and having their say and quite like doily it seems to be a uniform view on divo Carigi right now yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't uh, differentiate too much from what doily said the only thing i would say is i think for me has long been you know a great player for liverpool but also a slight problem because it's no surprise that when he came on the game changed liverpool started flowing a bit better and he, he played this part in the opening goal and I just find that there's nobody that can really replicate him and I do wonder a couple of seasons back when Klopp was looking for a little bit something different from Liverpool he changed formation played Salah up front and played a 4-2-3-1 and we've not seen that much since since midway through that, that season so I do wonder whether there's a formation change in there for Liverpool because I think when you just try and replace Firmino with Origi it just doesn't work he just Nobody can really replicate what Firmino does. So it is very difficult for him. But yeah, I tend to agree with Doyle. I, I kind of think Origi's race is run at Liverpool. He, he just isn't making a big enough impact. Um, yeah, I, I, I think Liverpool, look, I, I, this is just a gut feeling, but I, I think Liverpool are, are going to see what the transfer market's like. They're going to they're gonna wait and see what what impact COVID has had on finances, on, on offers for certain players, because I'm sure they were expecting expecting to fetch quite a bit for like so Harry Wilson, potentially Origi and and see what happens in the summer. And we could see some movement well when the transfer window opens towards the end of the window. And I do think a forward will be one of the players that they'll certainly be looking at because they need something slightly different. 
Um, and it seems that the, the old options that they had, like a Rigi, like Shakiri, um, just aren't quite there anymore. So I think they need some fresh blood. Um, yeah, it's a difficult one. I feel a bit sorry for Rigi, but he'll go when he does the part. He'll go with you know, great memories, great memories. But they're always flashing moments. He was always this sort of player that would have a great moment and then have two or three really poor games and then come again and have a great moment. You know, going that's going as far back to his. his first couple of seasons so um, he's, he's always been a strange player and I wasn't quite surprised yesterday to see him struggle Yeah I think the only thing I would add on to that as well just to say you know you obviously can't really expect Origi to be Firmino it doesn't really fit the same system but at the same time you could swap a number of other talented forwards and they would do a better job than Origi does the drop off in quality no matter what the system and the play is just too much for where Liverpool are right now so that's it isn't it really that's in a nutshell yeah, it does certainly seem as though the, the frustration may be two-way as well. Diva Origi, of course, reaching an age where he'll want to be a regular player. But joining us on YouTube, Faisal Mohammed has, has said, my question to the panel, and come to you with this one first, Doily, what are your opinions of Curtis's Jones, Curtis Jones's potential, a future starter or just a future squad player? Of course, he did get his, his first league goal for the Reds on Sunday. Well, I've seen him playing since he's played for the under 18s. And whenever you see him play, he's invariably the the best player, one of the best players, if not the best player. I mean, this season he's been too good for the under 23s. Uh, in the UEFA Youth in the UEFA Youth League, he was by some of the opposing manager. I think he scored four goals in five games or five in four. One, I think it was five in four, actually, in the group stage. But the opposing manager said not only is he the best Liverpool player in this competition, he's probably one of the best players in the entire competition. That's how good he is. And I remember there was a game at Derby, I think the under-23s last year, and Neil Critchley, who obviously has now left, but he was the boss of the 23s It was a, one of the first games where Curtis Jones played on the left side of the front three, and he basically said to him, look, we know you're a very good foot, you know, going forward, just back yourself a bit more. And although he's been playing, you know, when he's come on for Liverpool, or he's played several games have been from central midfield, he seems to back himself more. I mean, if you see the goal uh, that he scored yesterday, he starts it. He starts it in his own half, doesn't he? And takes the ball forward, runs forward, and then carries on going. And Klopp said afterwards, he said, I like the you know, the fact that he showed the initiative to stay in the box and gamble on the fact that there may have been a head down from Salah. And he, and he took it away. He's going to score a load of goals. I mean, he's played nine times for Liverpool. And he's got three goals. He's had one assist, and he scored the winning goal in a shootout against Arsenal. So he's, he obviously backs himself as well. Yeah, You know, if you listen to him speak, he's quite a confident lad. And um, it's funny because he's... It's almost like he's not been media coached yet in the sense that he comes out and says these things that show he's got a lot of self-belief and confidence in himself. But you know quite well that if you're a 23 or 24-year-old player, you wouldn't be saying those things even if you were thinking them. So I, th- I think Liverpool have been, to a certain degree, just letting him get on with it because they know he's, you know, he, he's, he knows how good he can be. And I think Liverpool do as well. And it was interesting when Klopp said after the game, he says, I'm looking forward to having fun with him in the future because I can see he, he's going to be one of those players because Klopp loves players like that and he'll be like right let's go and let's see what he can do in a attacking midfield role let's see what he can do he'll, he'll give him these little tests I reckon play some little games and see how he does and I would imagine most of them he'll, he'll, he'll come through because you know as I say he, he looks physically like he's a Premier League footballer as well even when he was playing I think it was the 2018 he went on tour to the US he was 17 and even then he's like he's not 17 he can't possibly be 17 he's massive and that's not just his hair. So, you know, you look, you look at him overall 
it, in answer to the question, he's going to be a first team player, and if he if he does as well as I think he's going to be, he's going to be a first team player for years. He's not going to be a squad player next season. Won't be surprised if by the end of next season he's playing all the time. That's how good he is. And I suppose what you said there about the going on from where we went from Divock Origi, Joe, and Doyle saying about Curtis Jones, yes, we've seen him a lot in midfield, but he's got that ability to play wide on the left. If Rian Brewster's to come back from his loan at Swansea City as well and is a, a central striking option, between the two of them there, we spoke before about we don't know what the transfer market will look like, but there are options for Jurgen Klopp to revitalise his squad with the options that are already amongst it. Absolutely. Um, I mean, look at Chelsea last season. They brought Tammy Abraham back, top scorer, was he in the championship? And he seems to have done done really well at Chelsea. So, you know, that Rian Brewster has the potential to make similar impact at Liverpool. And, and I'd go along with what Doyle said. Look, I, I think Curtis Jones, everything I've seen of him, he looks a special, special player. He's got, he's got ability and he's got that sort of street footballer attitude that, you know, the likes of Gerrard and and Rooney and people like that, the aggression that they had when they came through. And I like him. I like the way he backs himself. He's, he's cocky on the pitch, isn't he? And, and that's what you want from these young players. And yeah, I think I think he could make a huge impact next season. Um, I thought his second mention in this podcast, but I thought Neil Jones tweeted something quite nice about him as well. He tweeted last night saying that a lot of focus has been on youngsters at Man United and Chelsea and, and City with the likes of Greenwood and... Um, Bill Foden and Billy Gilmore, but Liverpool haven't really had to use Jones that much because of how far, how well they've done this season in the, in the Premier League. When they have used him, he's, he's been brilliant. So they've managed to, to manage him quite well, to, to put him in when, when needed and not overexpose him. And I think Klopp's done a great job with him. And I think next season, you know, we know Adam Milana's moving on, so there'll be space in the squad for him. And as you said, Guy, he can play in a couple of positions. So I think we'll see a lot of him. And I think that's what he says. I think he'll make an impact because he just is one of those kids that he can make an impact. He can score goals. He can create goals. He backs himself. He doesn't shy away. Uh, it's the perfect cocktail of a really, really good footballer. So he's one that Liverpool fans should be excited about. I know everyone loves a new signing. I know everyone loves a transfer. But you know, sometimes you you just need to look within and see that that there there are good players there to be to get more game time, and he's one of them. Yeah, you've got to think as well, considering the last two seasons that Liverpool have had, considering how well Liverpool played, considering the standard of players they've got, especially in a second sense where Curtis Jones plays, and you still notice him, you still mention him, you still, when he comes on the pitch, you still think, yeah, he's decent around those world-class players. So, yeah, as, as both the boys have said, very excited for the future. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Connor, come back to you then on this one. And another player who caught the eye after the substitutions were made in, in an attacking sense, got the assist for the first goal was Naby Keita. It seems as though every time he plays, we're desperate for him to do well. And then we talk about him immediately on the podcast. Are we at a stage with Naby Keita where he just needs to be left to doing what he can do and hopefully get a regular run of games before we start evaluating and analysing what he does with every kick? Yeah, certainly. I mean, He's a, he's a really tricky one, isn't he? Because he obviously came for a fair bit of money. There's a lot of excitement. They've had to wait for a year. But the whole story of Cater has added to all of this. Um, he hasn't really caught fire yet. You know, might be a little bit of a highlights player. But, you know, he has to get a solid run in the team, as you said, before you can really make any snap decisions. But it's, again, in the game against Villa, he wasn't, he wasn't brilliant by any stretch of the imagination. The pass was brilliant. 
And that's what people remember from the game, isn't it? He gets an assist, which is great. You know, it's an end product. But I think that's sometimes what's been slightly lacking with Cater, that, that final ball, that end product. But again, we need a bit more time with him. I know it's been ages, but he's had fits and starts in the team and never really seemed to get going. And every time he has hit a little bit of form, he's had a really unfortunate injury. Think back to the Barcelona game, uh, first leg last year. Um, yeah, just things like that. So it's tricky. The other thing with Cater is that, I mean, I mentioned this in my stuff uh, yesterday, is that normally with those substitutions on the hour, he'd have been one that would have gone off. And this time, Klopp, for whatever reason, I mean, I didn't think he should have gone off anyway, but, but, but Klopp decided to make two changes in midfield and took, you know, say Chamberlain, which was fair enough, didn't have a particularly great game, but took Fabinho off, and I thought he'd done all right. But Henderson comes on, Cater stays, and within a few minutes, he said, as Connor said, he puts in the, the pass of the match easily, because it's one of those ones where... You look at it at the time, you think, oh, that was fairly straightforward. But then you actually see the move from different angles and you go, well, has he seen that? Because it was the run from Mane. There wasn't any, you know, he managed to put it into a space that just invited Mane to come in and hit it. And while already having the ball inside the 18-yard the box, which, you know, considering Liverpool didn't have a lot of possession inside the Aston Villa penalty area, it was a, you know, used the ball very well. And that's what he can do. I mean, I remember there was a piece written about him, a lot. I can't remember it was, a, a while ago saying with, with Kate is that, He's the kind of player that Liverpool are quite happy to have like six passes into the area and four of them are rubbish. So it looks like his stats are like, oh, his pass completion rate's terrible. But the other two either create a goal or a very good chance. When you're playing against a team like Aston Villa that you know has you know packed defence, Liverpool weren't really getting anywhere, then that's the difference he can make. And I do wonder the fact that he stayed on and Klopp was very complimentary about him after the game, saying he always offered himself for a pass and he always made space and he was always looking to to move the ball forward, which we know he can do the way he likes to play, is whether we're going to see a bit more of him between now and the end of the season because you know Klopp knows this is a chance now for him to actually show what he can do. Bit of breaking news. Harvey Elliott has just signed his first professional contract with Liverpool. Has he? He certainly Not has, yeah. They've just put it out now. Just That's reading nice. through they it did, on the they club just, they just waited for us to do this podcast. Now. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exa- We've already written it a million times. He was about to say, so. <laughs> "The deal is over the line." <laughs> and he's certainly a player with with a bright, bright future. But Joe, on the the cater point, as Doyle said before, he's that kind of player that a lot of Liverpool fans have been screaming out for the club to have in the midfield. The guy who can sit on the edge of the box and play those probing passes into the penalty area. And of course, over the last week or so, the the links have intensified with Thiago Alcantara, which Jurgen Klopp was actually asked about immediately after the game. He was, yeah. It's, it's a strange one. You're probably best coming to Doyle for, for Thiago, I think. He's, he's yeah, a, come well, to me. Yeah, come to me. Come to yeah, me. I thought I'd ask you, Joe, before Doyle absolutely throws it out. That's me. That's me. Doyle, is Thiago Alcantara going to sign for Liverpool? At the moment, no. He's not. They're not interested in him at present. I'm not going to say they're never going to sign it because you never, ever can tell. But right now, they've absolutely no interest. The end. <laughs> Sorry. That's <laughs> absolutely that way. Yeah, Jürgen Klopp does like him as a player. Yeah. So. So, well, um, you know, Jürgen Klopp, they were mo- monitoring Messi last year. But that was because they are about to play Barcelona. So it would have, you know. So that doesn't mean they're going to sign him. So, uh, although, let's face it, if Messi's out of contract at the end of next season, they should be going for him. 
please don't turn that into a story. Thank you. Had <laughs> <laughs> it here first. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure that disclaimer is going to quite yeah, carry, club, Doily. Club, yeah, club 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 should be interested in signing best player ever. Uh, what a story that will be. <laughs> but does does Cater's performance yesterday not sort of show that Liverpool do need that kind of player who they can trust and rely upon? Obviously, Cater's had his injury issues, but when you look at how obviously it played out yesterday, so much of the creativity, Joe, for Liverpool comes from the wide areas. And, and yesterday, Trent and Andy Robertson both struggled to get into the game in a creative force. Absolutely. Um, I think it's the sort of player that you know, we, we've wanted Cater to come into the team so many times this season. And I don't know, you know, we always do our lineups before the game where we all pick a team. And I don't know how many times we've all said, oh, I'm tempted to put Naby Cater in because he offers them something different and he does pass the ball forward. You know, you look at him, he takes risks, he, he looks up and he looks to try and get those cute little passes into the penalty area. Um, he just, to me, for Cater, I just want to see him get involved in the game a little bit more. I find him yesterday, you know, I think especially in the first half, I find he drifts out, out of games a little bit and then, you know, he has his one moment as Connor said earlier and people remember the moment. Um, but he, he's a strange one because after the game yesterday, I had so many people tweeting and on our timeline and a few people tweeted me personally saying how, how awful he'd been and then there's quite a few people say, saying how brilliant he'd been and he, you know the truth probably lies somewhere in between and and you just want him to be more consistent I want to see him involved in more games and make some of those highlights become a bit more common I want to see more of those passes because we know he's got it in him and, and that's another reason why I, I just don't you know this Thiago stuff I think obviously Klopp likes him as a player he's talked about him before but you know, if if you add it all up, it doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? Because they've got a player like that in Cater. He's someone they spent a lot of money on. He's younger than Thiago. He's somebody that Klopp clearly likes as well. So surely, you know, Liverpool have got their own Thiago. They just want to get him on the pitch and get him playing. And and I'm sure Klopp believes him. He's not the type of manager who just writes people off, especially when he spent so much money on him. So, you know, I, I do think, it, again, Doyle wrote this in his analysis yesterday. He'll use these last few games to to get Cater on the pitch a bit more often, and to just try and get his confidence up. Because I think as well, let's not forget he came over to a foreign country. He he was you know he's got to adapt to the language, the lifestyle, and then playing in a in one of the most high pressured teams in the world. So it it's a it's a very difficult thing for him to do. So I still think he needs time to adapt, and I, I hope the club will use these last few games to try and get him in and get him on the ball and get him in the team. He has been there for two years, though, so it's not as if he, you know, yeah. I don't think he should be adapting in that sense. But I think it's more, it's more. Is he going to be part of the next phase of the team? Because I think over the next eighteen months, that's when we'll see certain players not so much drop off, but certain players be rotated out of the team, maybe not feature as much, maybe get sold. And it's whether or not he's going to be part of that. But it'll be just interesting to see because he's still, you know, reasonably young, isn't he? So he's got time on his side. I think he obviously knows everybody else plays in the team, so there's no excuses there. I just think it's a matter of just getting him out there and just letting him see what he can do. And as I said before, I think the fact he stayed on and he contributed, it's one of the reasons why we've said this loads of times in the past that Salah really gets subbed, even if he's having a bad game, because he knows he can do something. And I wonder whether or not he's decided, well, we can make all these substitutions and if, if Naby can stay out there for as long as possible, I just want to see what happens. Yeah, I think as well, you said there as well, Joe, it comes down to confidence, doesn't it? You know, when he's playing well, he seems to play really well. And obviously when 
Liverpool started playing better yesterday. Cater came on again. Cater got better. Cater got the assist. You know when Firmino came on and Henderson was around him and he was with Nardum. I think he just he just struggled a bit to influence the game alongside Oxley Chamberlain. Together it just didn't really work very well, did it? And I think that might have had a little bit to do with it yesterday. I know he's been in. Cater himself has been in lots of different teams over the past couple of years and played with different players, but. Yeah, he always seems to thrive when Liverpool are playing better, which which makes sense. But yeah, just hopefully he can get some confidence heading into next season and kick on. Well, let's then look ahead to, to Wednesday's game with Brighton. Come to you first on on this one, Doyley. And I think it's five away games now. Liverpool, they've lost four of the last five, not scored in any of the last five. Mm. Going to Brighton then, a side who are at the wrong end of the table, albeit obviously there's there's not a great deal other than records to break for Liverpool to play for. Probably comes at a good time, does it? Um, I wouldn't say that. I think Brighton are doing quite well at the moment, uh, and they're not conceding that many goals. Did they lose to? They lost to United three 0 didn't they? But you know, my my views on United is that they they're thriving without their fans. So um, I think you know that's a problem for them. Men- <laughs> no, seriously, I think it's a problem for them. It's a problem for them mentally going forward because quite clearly, it's almost like the Liverpool situation for years and years and years. It's going to be seven years since they won the league. It'll be eighteen if they do win it next year, which is unlikely. I just think that they've. I think it's these changes to the some of them enforced. Obviously, we know fans. They're the ones with the drinks break we mentioned and on the substitutions. It's kind of exposed negatives and positives for certain clubs. And I think Liverpool, perhaps the squad strength is possibly better than perhaps we thought. As we mentioned about the youngsters coming through, perhaps they're better. You know, they've been given a chance. And for United, I think it's just that the you know they're struggling to cope with the uh, the pressure which Liverpool know all about. And go back to your question about Brighton. In terms of goals, I think they do need. I think they do need to to get a couple. I think because it's 1992 was the last time they went five games without scoring away from home. It's kind of just crept up on them, and it's not so much that. But it's like Watford away never looked like scoring. Atletico Madrid away never looked like scoring. Had one chance, I think. The Everton away didn't look like scoring. City are a bit different, but most of the time they didn't look like they were going to score. And the kind of, and Chelsea in the cup. I mean, I don't remember them really having much of a chance there either. So this is a trend. Whether it's to do with the formation or the players, I don't know. But certainly, I think it's something that's crept up on Liverpool. It's something that clearly they must know about. They won't, you know, they won't have seen read my stuff and gone, oh wow, look at that. You know, they'll have known. They'll have known. They'll have, well, they won't have read my stuff anyway. But they'll have known. They'll have known about it. And they'll be thinking about it. And I think, I know we'll go on to the team in a bit, but I won't be surprised if Minamino plays. Shakiri will get a bit of a run out. I think it's 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 going to be seeing what other options there are up top. Not just if it's up top with midfielders, we just mentioned Kato was the one who played the pass through. And it's funny you mentioned, I only just got onto this guy, you said about, you know, uh, Alex and Arnold and Robertson didn't really get into the game. The first goal came from Trent moving in field and passed it into Kato. And the second goal came from Robertson crossing it for Salah to head it down. So even though they, that just shows that even when they're not playing particularly well, when they get involved, pre-assists, things, yeah, things happen. <laughs> Hockey assists or whatever, yeah. whatever. Our friends at Ellis. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, the point being, Liverpool probably need to look at this game and see it as a chance to actually get some more goals on the board away from all, because otherwise six games and suddenly people other than us will start noticing going what's going on here yeah not saying they've been found out joe but is it a bit of a worry that liverpool have gone this long without scoring away from home 
I mean, the, the last time they did was against Norwich, which even in that game, I think Mane got the goal, didn't he, in the one they'll win. And that wasn't that wasn't the most free-flowing game either. No, it's, it's a slight concern, isn't it? You know, I think it's slightly it's slightly different because of what's happened, you know, the, the long break in football and the games behind closed doors. So it's not not quite a massive concern, but it, it's it's a slight concern. But they've got a good record at Brighton. They've got a and they've beaten Brighton in every game since Brighton were promoted a couple of years ago. So I think this is a decent game for them. You know, we've Brighton beaten since they've come back. Norwich and, and Arsenal, so only the little teams really that they've beaten, and um, you know, and, and and I think Liverpool should do quite. Sorry, I couldn't resist. <laughs> Every time I've been on, that's why I think. Yeah, no, but yeah, I think I think Brighton are a good side for Liverpool to play, and I quite fancy them on Wednesday. I think Brighton do try and play a bit of football, and and um, that will play into Liverpool's hands. But like Donny says, there'll be a lot of rotation, and again, that's another that's another reason why. You know that perhaps they haven't scored away from home. If you look back at those games, the Chelsea game was a rotated side, wasn't it? And, and the City game away from home came after the title, so it was. You know, there are there are a lot of excuses, if you for for the lack of a better word, for Liverpool. So I wouldn't be too concerned. But Brighton presents a good opportunity. If they don't do anything against Brighton, then you might want to start thinking about what's going wrong. Yeah, before we yeah. get into the team, Con, I'm just going to say on the, the thing with Brighton, as, as Joe said there, a team who do like to play open football might play into Liverpool's hands as well. And whilst there are those excuses of Liverpool already have the league wrapped up, they are still going for these records. And it, there is that feeling that actually they do want to be a side who get to 100 points and even surpass that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think they have to see Brighton as an opportunity. As you say, they brought Graham Potter in to Brighton for them to play better football because the brand of football was horrendous. And actually, they're all right to watch now and they do play, they do they do try and play, but Liverpool take apart open teams like, you know, cheese and bread. <laughs> you know, so... <laughs> In all seriousness, Brighton are on 36 points now, which, you know, they stayed up with last season. They look pretty comfortable, got five games to go. Liverpool should be looking at this as a stepping stone to score some goals and, and kick on for the records because absolutely 100% Klopp will know about that record and absolutely 100% Klopp will want that record. And Because if Liverpool do, you know, what do they need now? 11 points out of five games to get 100 points. 101 is the City record, 104 obviously the maximum. If they set that, no team will ever beat it, ever. No way will this ever happen again. This many games, this many wins. And I think that opportunity for Liverpool is one they shouldn't pass up. No, certainly. Right, let's get into the uh, the team selector. Brighton, incidentally, have only conceded against Manchester United and Arsenal, so only sort of top sides in the division. But anyway, let's get into the... Uh, the yeah, yeah. That man, Nicholas Pepe, who made up so many of these Blood Red podcasts once once upon a time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Moving on to the, uh, the team selector then. Uh, Doily, come to you first. And Alison Becker, of course, will be retained in goal, looking for that golden glove. And put in a brilliant show against Aston Villa? Uh, yeah. Joe, same for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, get Andy Lonergan in. Uh, of course. Yeah, and Connor, you're completing the, the set with. Obviously, yeah. That save against Grealish at the end was phenomenal, really. And that's just the proof as to why he's Liverpool's best goalkeeper in the Premier League ever. And you're back four, Connor? Um, I'd be tempted to give Robertson a rest here. Um. He had a slight knock 
Um, he hasn't been the best of form the last couple of games. Milner um, is, will be re-available, re so I'd put him in at left-back. Um, Van Dijk and Gomez have to come in the middle. You know, Lovren's struggling a bit and not going to be available. Matip's out injured. Um, Right-back's an interesting one, um, whether you go with Trent or whether you go with Nico, but I think probably Trent as well for me. Doily? Um, yes. I agree completely with what Carl just said. I think if I think if Milner had been fit, he would have played against Villa. But if mm. he's okay, then he's playing because Robertson, although he's slightly better in the second half, it, he was not great again. I think he's just, I think he's tired. And I don't just mean we know we were joking last week about being down the pub and stuff like that. I think he's just tired anyway. It's been a a long season, you know. He's it. He had that three month break, and it wasn't a break as such. It was just a three months where they weren't playing games, which is thinking about winning. Yeah, it's a different. It's it's something. It's different to just having three months of not thinking about anything at all and doing no work because they were. But uh, I think he deserves a break. And if Milner's fit, he's playing. And Joe, any temptation on Nico Williams? No, don't, I don't think so. I think I, I would stick with what what the lads have said. It's difficult because I, I really don't like Liverpool when, when Milner's at left-back. I just feel like the, the balance is off a little bit. Um, but they haven't really got many other options, have they, there? So, yeah, I would, I would rest Robertson. Trent looks fresher. And the, the two centre-halves stay the same. So, at the moment, Alisson and Gil back for then. Trent, Gomez, Van Dijk and Milner. Uh, Joe, midfield three? Oof, Henderson back in from the start. Um Wijnald and Cater. Keep Cater in there and, and and try and get him get him flowing. He got that assist, try and build on it. I'd be slightly tempted to put Curtis Jones in, but um but perhaps perhaps might put him in the in the front three instead. Doyle yourself. That's an interesting one actually, because I was thinking Cater's definitely playing and so is Henderson. They're, them two are definitely playing. But see, the third one is because I thought Fabinho had done well since they came back, but he's played a lot, and it's whether this is the game he might get rotated out and Henderson's you know plays in the number six role, which then gives another space in midfield. If Milner's left back, he can't play. I don't think Oxide Chamberlain can play. Uh, then it's you know I don't think Van Alden's been great since they came back either. But I was going to put Curtis Jones there, but uh, hmm. no, nah, I've decided I'm not going to. I'm going to put one Alden in there. And Connor, who are you going with then? Yeah, I mean, I'm not really going to tend to disagree with those two, to be fair. I mean, you want to blood Cater as much, well, not blood him, because he's obviously been blooded, but you want to play him <laughs> and you want to get him up to, up to firing as quickly as you can before next season. So, you know, he's going to get on the best probably with Ronaldo and Henderson in that midfield. So that's my three. I want to give Fabinho a rest, even though he has done well. Yeah, and I think Doyle, you might mention him in your forward three, but no one tempted to put Minamino into that midfield three. Not in the now, midfield. I don't know. Uh, not in the midfield three, no. Sorry, no. no right, okay, no fair enough. Then forward three, then Doyle, you can kick us off with this one. Um, I think Firmino's got to play, and I think Minamino will play. And the only problem is that I was gonna. I don't think Mane's been this again. I don't think I know. Saw some some people gave Mane man of the match at the, on Sunday. And I was like, no, no. I thought Salah did better actually, given the fact he got absolutely no help from the referee whatsoever, who you know, seems to just not give any kind of free kick towards it. But if you're playing Minamino and you're playing Firmino, Firmino's got to go down the middle. Minamino, which wing do you put him? See, so if you put him right, you're going to have to put Mane left, and. 
I suppose that. But then I might play Curtis Jones. I don't know. Just as well, I'm not the manager, isn't it? I'd be yeah. very indecisive. What about Dave Okarigi? Uh, no, he's not playing. <laughs> not playing. He's not playing. Oxlade Chamberlain's not playing. You know, we, we, we get them down to those far. And what, oh, right, okay. Minamino down the middle. Sorry. Firmino down the middle. Minamino on the right. And Manny on the left. There you go. There you go. After Doyle's eventually chosen. Joe, what are you going to go with? I, you know what? I want to put Curtis Jones in myself, but then I've forgotten about Minamino and you said him. And, and now I think I'm just going to say the same as Doyle. <laughs> I do want to get. No, hang on. This is my team. I think he'll play Minamino, but I'm putting Curtis Jones in. So I'm, I'm going to go Firmino in the middle, Curtis Jones on the left, and Salah on the right. I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if it was that either, to be honest. I wouldn't be unhappy either. Well, so let's face it, the game, you know, they're going to make about 15 substitutions anyway. So I'll probably, who knows how to get the team that ends no, the, completely. No, no, they can, make, they can make five substitutions. Fair enough. Same thing. <laughs> and Connor? I'm going to start Mane, Salah, and Firmino. <laughs> you don't Boring. necessarily think. No, but Salah and Mane are going to know yeah. about the golden boot. They're going to want to play. They're going to want to. They know they'll get, they'll know they'll get chances and they'll know they'll score against Brighton if they get them. So I think they'll be desperate today and you can't not start Firmino after putting him on the bench for the start of this game. So that's my front three. The front three is the front three. Well, we'll have to wait and see if Liverpool can end their drought away from home and if Mohamed Salah can add to his two away goals in the Premier League so far this season. One of those stats has to come to that an end to be a dig. before too long. <laughs> no, it, no, it's not, it's not a dig like that. No, it's not a dig like that. It's just, I can't, it's it's the true anomaly for me, the, the, the Premier League season, that Salah's only got two away goals so far this season. Well, don't forget, you can cover, you can get all the coverage on the Liverpool Echo website, the live match blog on Wednesday. And in the meantime, of course, the news that Harvey Elliott has signed a new professional, well, his first professional contract with the Reds. You can also catch up with all of that on the Echo website, as well as plenty of content across the Blood Red channel here on YouTube, as well as on our podcast streams. But from self Guy Clark, Connor Dunn, Ian Doyle and Joe Rimmer, thanks for your time and company. It's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.